Book One, Chapter Twenty, Part Two, of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devora Allen. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah G. Book One, Chapter Twenty, Part Two. When the children arrived at the castle. It occurred to them that it would be a very good idea to ride right in and go upstairs on their ponies, but they only succeeded in mounting the broad steps and entering the hall, where they were captured by the footmen and respectfully persuaded to alight. They announced that they had come to call on the Duke of Morningquest, and were conducted to his presence with pomp and ceremony enough to have embarrassed any other equally dusty, dishevelled mortals, but the twins were not troubled with self-consciousness, and entered with perfect confidence. The Duke was delighted. If there was one thing which could give him more pleasure than another in his old age, it was the wicked ways of the heavenly twins, and especially of the promising Angelica, who very much resembled him both in appearance, decision of character, and sharpness of temper. She promised, however, to be on a much larger scale, for the duke was diminutive. He looked like one who stands in a picture at the end of a long line of ancestors, considerably reduced by the perspective and it was as if, in his person, an attempt had been made to breed the race down to the vanishing point. His high-arched feet were admired as models of size and shape, and so also were his slender, delicate hands, but neither were agreeable to an educated eye and an intelligence indifferent to the dignity of dukes, but nice in the matter of proportion. The children found their grandfather in the Oriel room, so-called because of the great Oriel window, which was a small room in itself although it looked, as you approach the castle, no bigger than a swallow's nest on the face of the solid masonry, being the only excrescence visible above the trees from that point of view. The castle stood on a hill which descended precipitously from under the oriel, so that the latter almost overhung the valley in which the city lay below, and commanded a magnificent view of the flat country beyond, thridded by a shining, winding ribbon of river. The hill was wooded on that side to the top, and the castle crowned it, rising above the trees in irregular outline against the sky imposingly. The old duke sat in the oriel often, looking down at the wonderful prospect, but thinking less of his own vast possessions than of the great cathedral of Morningquest, which he coveted for holy church. He had become a convert to Roman Catholicism in his old age, and his bigotry and credulity were as great now as his laxity and scepticism had been before his conversion. He was sitting alone with his confessor and private chaplain, Father Ricardo, a man of middle age, middle height, attenuated form, round head with coarse black hair, piercing dark eyes, aquiline nose somewhat thick, and the loose mouth characteristic of devout Roman Catholics, high church people, and others who are continually being wound up to worship an unseen deity by means of sensuous enjoyment. The uncertain lines into which the lips fall in repose indicating fairly the habitual extent of their emotional indulgences. His manners were suave and deferential, his motives sincerely disinterested in the interests of the church, his method of gaining his ends unhampered by any sense of the need of extreme verbal accuracy. He was reading to the duke when the children were announced, and rose and bowed low to them as they entered, with a smile of respectful and affectionate interest. Diavolo raised his dusty cap to his chest, and returned the bow with punctilious gravity. Angelica tossed him a nod as she passed up the room in a business-like way to where her grandfather was sitting facing the window. The old duke looked round as the children approached, and his face relaxed. He did not absolutely smile, but his eyes twinkled. 
Angelica plumped down on the arm of his chair, put her arm round his neck, and deposited a superficial kiss somewhere in the region of his ear, while Diavolo wrung his hand more ceremoniously, but with much energy. Both children seemed sure of their welcome, and comported themselves with their usual unaffected ease of manner. The old duke controlled his mouth, but there was something in the expression of his countenance which meant that he would have chuckled if his old sense of humour had not been checked by the presence of the priest, which held him somehow to his new professions of faith, and the severe dignity of demeanour that best befits the piety of a professional saint. He was wearing a little black velvet skull-cap, and Angelica, still sitting on the arm of his chair, took it off as soon as she had saluted him, looked into it, and clapped it on to the back of his head again, somewhat awry. "'I am glad you have your black velvet coat on today,' she said, embracing the back of his chair with an arm, and kicking her long legs about in her fidgety way. "'It goes well with your hair, and I like the feel of it.' "'Have you a holiday today?' the Duke demanded, with an affectation of sternness. "'Yes,' said Angelica absently, taking up one of his delicate hands and transferring a costly ring from his slender white forefinger to her own dirty brown one. "'No,' the more exact Diavolo contradicted, "'we gave Mr. Ellis a holiday.' "'To tell you the truth, Grandpapa, I had forgotten all about lessons,' said Angelica candidly. "'I fancy Mr. Ellis is fizzing by this time, don't you, Diavolo?' "'What are you doing here if you haven't a holiday?' their grandfather asked. "'Visiting you, sir?' Diavolo answered in his peculiar drawl, which always left you uncertain as to whether he intended an impertinence or not. He was lying at full length on the floor, facing his grandfather, with the back of his head resting on the low window-sill, and the old gentleman was looking at him admiringly. He was not at all sure of the import of Diavolo's last reply, but had the tact not to pursue the subject. The priest had remained standing, with his hands folded upon the book he had been reading, and a set smile upon his thin intellectual face, behind which it was easy to see that the busy thoughts came crowding. Angelica turned on him suddenly, flinging herself from the arm of her grandfather's chair onto a low seat which stood with its back to the window in order to do so. "'I say, Papa Ricardo, I want to ask you,' she began, "'what do you think of that Baron de Chantal, whom you call Saint, when her son threw himself across the threshold of their home to prevent her leaving the house, and she stepped across his body to go and be religieuse?' "'It was the heroic act of a holy woman,' the priest replied. "'But I thought home was the woman's sphere,' said Angelica. "'Yes,' the priest rejoined, "'unless God calls them to religion.' "'But did God give her all those children?' Angelica pursued. "'Yes, indeed,' said Father Ricardo. "'Children are the gift of God.' "'Well, so I thought I had heard,' Angelica remarked, "'with a genial air of being much interested.' "'But it seems such bad management to give a lady a lot of children "'and then take her away so that she can't look after them.' "'The poor old duke had been dull all day. "'His mind, under the influence of his father confessor, "'had been running on the horrors of hell, "'and such subjects, together with the necessity of accomplishing certain good works "'and setting aside large sums of money "'in order to excuse himself from such condemnation "'as the priest had ventured to hint courteously "'that even a great duke might entail upon himself.' by the quite excusable errors of his youth. But since the heavenly twins arrived, the old gentleman had begun to see things again from a point of view more natural to one of his family, and his countenance cleared in a way which denoted that his spirits were rising. Father Ricardo was accustomed to say that the dear children's high spirits were apt to be too much for his grace, but this was a mistake, due doubtless to his extreme humility, which would not allow him to mention himself, for whom there was no doubt the dear children were apt to be too much. 
The old duke, upon that last remark of Angelica's, twinkled a glance at his father confessor, which had an effect on the latter that made itself apparent in the severity of his reply. "'The ways of the Lord are inscrutable,' he said, "'and it is presumptuous for mortals, however great their station, to attempt to fathom them.' "'I have heard that before, too, often,' said Diavolo, with a wise nod of commendation. "'So have I,' said Angelica, and then both children beamed at the priest cordially, and the long-suppressed chuckle escaped from the duke. Father Ricardo retired into himself. "'Grandpapa,' Diavolo resumed. The heavenly twins never allowed the conversation to flag. "'Grandpapa, do you believe there ever was a little boy who never, never told a lie?' "'I hope, sir, you do not mean me to infer that you are mendacious,' the old gentleman sternly rejoined. "'Mendacious,' Diavolo repeated. "'That's do I tell lies, isn't it? "'Well, you see, sir, it's like this. "'If I'd been up to something, and you asked me if I'd done it, "'I'd say yes, like a shot. "'But if Angelica had been up to something and I knew all about it, "'and you asked me if she'd done it, I'd say no flatly. "'Do I understand, sir, that you would tell me a lie flatly?' "'Yes,' said Diavolo decidedly, "'if you were mean enough to expect me to sneak on Angelica.' "'Father Ricardo!' the latter began energetically. "'When you tell a lie, do you look straight at a person, or just past the side of their heads?' "'I always look straight at a person myself,' said Diavolo, gravely considering the priest. "'I can't help it.' "'It's the best way,' said Angelica, with the assurance of one who has tried both. "'I suppose, Grandpapa,' she pursued, "'when people get old they have nothing to tell lies about. They just sit and listen to them.' And again she looked hard at Father Ricardo, whose face had gradually become suffused with an angry red. "'I should think, Father Ricardo,' said Diavolo, observing this, "'if you were a layman, you would be feeling now as if you could throttle us.' But before the poor priest could utter the reproof which trembled on his lips, the door opened, and the duke's unmarried daughter and youngest child, the beautiful Lady Fulda, entered, and changed the moral atmosphere in a moment. Both children rose to receive her tender kisses affectionately. Their passionate appreciation of all things beautiful betrayed itself in the way they gazed at her, and hers was the only presence that ever subdued them for a moment. "'I like her in white and gold,' Angelica remarked to Diavolo, when she had looked her longest. "'So do I,' Diavolo rejoined with a nod of satisfaction. "'My dear children,' Lady Fulda exclaimed, "'you must not discuss my appearance in that way. You speak of me as if I were not here.' "'You never seem to be here, somehow,' said Diavolo, struggling with a big thought he could not express. "'I always feel when you come in as if you were miles and miles away from us. "'Now, Mama is always close to us, and Papa gets quite in the way. "'But you seem to be—' "'He raised both hands high above his head, with the palms spread outward, "'and then let his arms sink to his side slowly. "'The gesture expressed an immeasurable distance above and beyond him. "'Yes,' said Angelica. "'I feel that, too. "'But sometimes when there's music and flowers and no light to speak of—in church, you know—' and you feel as if angels might be about, or even the Lord himself. I rise up beside you somehow and come quite close. Lady Fulda's eyes deepened with feeling as Angelica spoke, and drawing the child to her side, she smoothed her hair and gazed down into her face earnestly, as if she would penetrate the veil of flesh that baffled her when she tried to see clearly the soul of which Angelica occasionally gave her some such glimpse. The old duke glanced round at the clock, and instantly the attentive priest stepped to the window and opened it wide. Then the duke raised his hand as if to enjoin silence, and presently the music of the bells of the city clocks 
striking the hour in various tones, and all at different moments causing a continuous murmurous sea of sound, arose from below. When the last vibration ceased, there was a quite perceptible pause. The Duke took off his little round black velvet cap, and leaned forward, listening intently. Lady Folda bent her head, and her lips moved. The priest folded his hands, and looked straight before him with the unconscious eyes of one absorbed in thought or prayer who sees not. The twins, assuming a sanctimonious expression, bowed their hypocritical heads, and watched what was going on out of the corners of their eyes. There was a moment's interval, and then came the chime, mellowed by distance, but clear and resonant. habit of the old duke to listen for it hour by hour, and while it rang, he, and those of his household who shared his faith, offered a fervent prayer for the restoration of Holy Church. Lady Fulda insisted on sending the children home under proper escort. They strongly objected. They said they were not going straight home. They had to call on the Bishop of Morningquest. "'Why are you going to call on the Bishop of Morningquest?' their aunt asked. "'We wish to see him,' Angelica answered stiffly. "'On the subject of rotten potatoes,' Diavolo supplemented. Lady Fulda stared. "'San Chantal, you know,' said the ready Angelica. The reason was new to her, but the twins usually understood each other like a flash. They put a rotten potato on her plate one day at dinner, and she ate it. "'She was so hungry?' suggested Lady Fulda, trying hard to remember the story. "'No, so humble,' Angelica answered. "'At least so they say in the book.' "'But we don't think it could have been humility. "'It must have been horrid bad taste. "'But we're going to ask the bishop. "'He's so temperate, you know. "'We tried to discuss the matter with Father Ricardo, "'but he shut us up promptly.' "'My dear child!' Lady Fulda exclaimed. "'What an expression!' "'I assure you it is the right one, Aunt Fulda,' "'Angelica maintained. "'He got quite red in the face.' "'Yes,' said Diavolo, "'gazing at Father Ricardo thoughtfully. "'He looked hot enough to set fire to us "'if he'd touched us.' "'I should think he would have been invaluable in the Inquisition,' said Angelica, to whom that last remark of Diavolo's had opened up a boundless field of speculation and retrospect. "'Wouldn't you like to hear a heretic go off pop on a pile?' she inquired, turning to Father Ricardo. The Duke and Lady Fulda glanced at him involuntarily, and very good-naturedly tried to smile. This, however, did not necessitate such an effort as the mere cold reading of the twins' remark might make it appear, for they both had a certain charm of manner— expressive of an utter absence of any intention to offend, which no kindly disposed person could resist, and Father Ricardo was, essentially, kindly disposed. The twins were taking their leave by this time. Angelica proceeded to deposit one of her erratic kisses somewhere on the old duke's head, with an emphasis which caused him to wince perceptibly. Then she went up to Father Ricardo and shook hands with him. "'I hope the next time we come you will be able to tell us some nice bogey stories about death and the judgment and hell and that kind of thing,' she said politely. "'They interest us very much. You remember you told us some before. "'It must be very jolly for Grandpapa to have you here always, ready to make his blood run cold whenever he feels dull,' Diavolo observed, looking up at the priest admiringly. "'You do it so well, you know, just as if you believed it all.' "'We tried it once with some children we had to spend the day with us at Hamilton House,' Angelica said. "'We took them into a dark room—the long room, you know, Aunt Folda—and Diavolo rubbed a match on the wall at the far end, 
and I explained that that was a glimmer of hellfire at a great distance off, and then we told them, if they didn't keep quite still, the old devil himself would come creeping up behind without any noise and jump on their backs. And the little beggars howled, Diavolo added, as if that consequence still filled him with astonishment. My dear children, I am afraid you tell dreadful stories, Lady Fulda exclaimed in a horrified tone. Yes, said Angelica, with her grave little nod, and we're improving, but we cannot come up to Father Ricardo yet in that line. Not by a long chalk, said Diavolo. But, my dear child, Lady Fulda solemnly asserted, Father Ricardo tells you nothing but what is absolutely true. How do you know? Angelica asked. Oh, oh, Lady Fulda stammered, and then looked at the priest appealingly. When you are older and able to understand these things, Father Ricardo began with gentle earnestness, perhaps you will allow me. But how do you know it's true yourself? Angelica demanded. Did you ever see the devil with his little spade and shovel digging praties in the garden with his tail cocked up? Diavolo chanted, accompanying the words with a little dance, in which Angelica, holding up her habit, joined incontinently. Lady Fulda remained grave, but the old duke and Father Ricardo himself were moved to mirth, and there was no more talk of revealed religion, the power of the popedom, and the glory of the church on earth at morn that day. Lady Fulda had been firm about sending the children home under escort, and they found a steady old groom waiting ready to mount a spirited horse when they went down to the courtyard to get on their ponies. They had discovered a box of croquet mallets on their way downstairs, and borrowed one each. As they descended the steep hill leading from the castle at a walk, they began to discuss recent events, as their habit was. "'What did you do when the chime went, and you hung your head?' said Angelica. "'I hoped there'd be hot cakes for tea.' "'But I didn't mean it for a prayer,' Diavolo answered, as if the matter admitted of a doubt. "'I'm glad we decided to go secondly to the palace. I didn't think much of Grandpapa's tea,' Angelica observed. "'It was all china and no cakes, to speak of. No crisp ones, you know.' "'Well, you see, his teeth are bad,' said Diavolo indulgently. "'He has enough of them, then,' Angelica answered. "'Yes, but they aren't much good. They're so loose, you know.' "'Every now and again you can see them waggle,' said Diavolo. "'I'd like to see him bite a fig,' said Angelica, chuckling. "'They'd stick, I suppose,' said Diavolo meditatively. "'I expect there will be great improvements in those matters by the time we want to be patched.' The groom, who had been riding at a respectful distance behind, suddenly perceived that he had lost sight of the children altogether. The descent was steep just there and winding, and knowing with whom he had to deal— the man urged his horse on, straining his eyes at every turn to catch a glimpse of the twins, but vainly, till he reached the bottom of the hill, when they bounced out on him suddenly from among the trees on either side of the road, whooping and flourishing their mallets wildly. The horse, which was very fresh, gave one great bound and bolted, and the heavenly twins, shrieking with delight, hunted him hard into morning quest. When they arrived at the palace, Angelica asked with the utmost confidence if the bishop were at home, and being informed by an obsequious footman that he was, the twins marched into the hall, and were ushered into the presence of Mrs. Beale and her daughter Edith. "'Tell his lordship we are here,' Angelica said to the servant authoritatively, before she performed her salutations. When these were over, the twins sat down opposite to Edith and inspected her. "'We've just been seeing Aunt Folda,' Diavolo remarked. Angelica caught the connection. "'Your hair is about the same color as hers, but your face is smoother,' she observed. 
"'It looks like porcelain. "'Hers has little stipples, you know, about the nose when you go close. "'They seem to come as you get older.' "'Uncle Don calls you Saxon, Edith,' said Diavolo. "'Don't you wonder he doesn't want to marry you? "'I do. "'When I'm old enough, I'm going to propose to you. "'Do you think you will have me?' "'Have you? "'I should think not indeed!' "'Angelica exclaimed with a jealous flash. "'At that time the notion of sharing her brother's affection with anybody always enraged her. "'Diavolo was irritated by her scornful manner. "'I am a little afraid,' he began, addressing Mrs. Beale in his deliberate way. "'I am a little afraid Angelica will stand in the way of my making a good match. "'No respectable wife would have her about.' "'Quick as thought, Angelica had him by the hair.' and the two were tumbling over each other on the floor. Mrs. Beale and Edith sprang forward to separate them, but that was impossible until the twins had banged each other to their heart's content, when they got up, with their feelings thoroughly relieved, and resumed their seats in the conversation as if nothing had happened. The skirmish, however, had been severe, although short. Diavolo had a deep scratch over his right eyebrow which began to bleed profusely. Angelica was the first to notice it, and tearing out a handkerchief which was up her sleeve, she rolled it into a bandage roughly, whirled over to Diavolo and tied it round his head, covering his right eye, and leaving a great knot and two long ends sticking up like rabbit's ears amongst his fair hair, and a pointed flap hanging down on the opposite side. "'I must cut my nails,' she remarked, giving a finishing touch to this labor of love, which made Diavolo rock on his chair. But he accepted her attentions as a matter of course, merely drawling, "'Angelica is so energetical.' as he recovered his balance. Just at this moment, the bishop bustled in. He had been engaged upon some important diocesan duties when the twins were announced, but thinking they must have come with an urgent message, he suspended the work of the diocese and hurried up to see what was the matter. The twins rose to receive him with their usual unaffected affability. He was a short, stout man with a pleasant face and a cordial, well-bred manner. A little apt to be fussy on occasion, and destitute of any sense of humor in other people, although given to making his own little jokes. He was a bishop of the old-fashioned kind, owing his position to family influence, rather than to any special attainment or qualification. But he was a good man and popular, and the Sea of Morningquest would have had much to regret if the back door by which he got into the church had been shut before he passed through it. "'I am afraid there has been an accident,' he said with concern when he saw Diavolo's head tied up in a handkerchief. "'Oh, no, thank you, sir,' that young gentleman assured him. "'It is only a scratch.' "'I did it,' said the candid Angelica, "'and it looked unpleasant, so I tied it up.' "'Oh,' the bishop ejaculated, glancing inquiringly at his wife and daughter. "'You wanted to see me?' "'Yes,' said Diavolo, preparing to suit his conversation to the bishop's taste. "'There are a great many things we want to discuss with you. "'What were they, Angelica? I am sure I have forgotten them all.' "'Let me see,' said Angelica. "'Sant Chantal and the rotten potato had quite gone out of her mind. "'It was just to have a little interesting conversation, you know.' "'We're getting on very well with our lessons,' Diavolo gravely assured him, "'anticipating the inevitable question. "'We've just come from Morn,' said Angelica. "'Indeed,' the bishop answered. "'How is your grandfather?' "'Rather flat today,' said Angelica. "'He didn't say anything of interest. "'Didn't even lecture us. "'No, but he looked pleasant.' said Diavolo. "'I like him to lecture,' Angelica insisted. 
I like him to talk about the church, how it is going to encompass the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and that kind of thing, you know. Boom! Boom! He makes you feel as if every word he uttered ought to be printed in capital letters, and it seems as if your eyes opened wider and wider and your skin got tight. Diavolo nodded his head to one side in intelligent acquiescence. Not being troubled with self-consciousness, he wore the handkerchief with which his head was decorated with the grave dignity of his best behavior. "'I sometimes think, sir,' he began, addressing the bishop exactly in his father's precise way, "'that there is something remarkable about my grandfather. He is a kind of prophet, I imagine, to whom the Lord doesn't speak.' Edith walked to the window. Mrs. Beale got out her handkerchief hastily. The bishop's countenance relaxed. "'I suppose you wouldn't like us to be converted?' Angelica asked. "'We call it perverted, dear child,' said Mrs. Beale. "'Well, they call it converted just as positively up at the castle,' Angelica rejoined, not argumentatively, merely stating the fact. "'I wonder what the angels call it,' said Diavolo, looking up in their direction out of a window opposite, and then glancing at the bishop as if he thought he ought to know. "'I don't suppose they care a button what we call it,' Angelica decided offhand, out of her own inner consciousness. "'But you would not like us to be either con or per, would you?' she asked the bishop. "'I am afraid I must not discuss so serious a question with you today,' he answered. "'I am very busy, and I must go back to my work.' "'I thought you looked unsettled,' Angelica observed. "'I know what it is when you've got to come to the drawing-room and want to be somewhere else. "'They won't excuse us at home as a rule, but we'll excuse you if you like.' "'Uh, thank you,' the old gentleman answered, glancing with a smile at his wife. "'But I should think some tea would do you good,' Diavolo suggested. "'Have you not had any tea?' Edith asked, stretching her hand out toward the bell. "'Well, yes,' he answered. "'We've had a little.' The tone implied, but not nearly enough. "'We always liked your cakes, you know,' said Angelica, "'and ours at Hamilton House are generally nice, "'but at morn they're sometimes sodden.' The bishop withdrew at this point, and the children devoted the rest of their attention to the cakes." "'Now we've got to go and settle with Mr. Ellis,' Diavolo remarked to Angelica, yawning, as they walked their ponies out of the palace grounds. "'Well, at any rate, we've done the celebration thoroughly,' she answered, and enjoyed it. He won't be able to help that now. "'Oh, by the way, here's Grandpapa's ring. I forgot it.' "'It doesn't matter,' said Diavolo. "'He knows you'll take care of it.' Almost at the same moment, the old duke at Morn missed the ring, and remarked, "'Ah, I remember. Angelica has it.' She put it on her finger when she was sitting beside me this afternoon. "'Shall I go at once to Hamilton House and bring it back with me?' Father Ricardo asked, somewhat officiously. "'No, sir, thank you,' said the Duke, with dignity. "'My granddaughter will return the ring when it suits her convenience.' Next day Angelica begged her father to take the ring back for her with a note of apology, explaining that she had forgotten it, and expressing her regret. End of Book One, Chapter Twenty, Part Two